If you've been with us the last uh, couple of weeks, you know we've been talking about um, about the abundant life that Christ promised, and then His warning that uh, His adversary comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And last week uh, we looked at uh, David and how when David and his warriors uh, realized that the Amalekites had come and taken their families and all of their uh, possessions, they determined to go and to take them back. And uh, we mentioned that it's important for us to realize that uh, just because uh, Satan has uh, taken advantage, has uh, moved in and advanced his territory, doesn't mean that we're supposed to let him completely take over. How many of you know that it's important to take your stand in faith? The worst thing that can happen is for us to give up and say, oh, well, it's hopeless. Uh, it's, there's just too much uh, bad influence here. There's just too much pressure. God wants us to take a stand and to be strong. And uh, in Matthew chapter 12, we see... <clears throat> A further teaching as Jesus explains this conflict in the kingdom, how he promises abundant life and he provides that for those that are trusting in him. But there's the influence uh, of the enemy always trying to come in and to steal and to kill and destroy. How many of you have, have had a few experiences in your life where you just looked at the situation, you tried to understand it, and you just realized, you know, this is really Satan's work. It's the devil that's been trying to steal, to kill, to destroy. And we need to take a stand against him. How many of you know sometimes we blame people more than we should? We blame ourselves more than we should. We blame our circumstances more than we should. We need to realize that there is someone that is conspiring against us, wanting to destroy us. Jesus revealed him as the adversary of God, Satan, the fallen angel, Lucifer. And every believer needs to know that God will give strength to the person who will stand in faith. How many of you know that Satan is a defeated foe? Jesus said that over and over again, that Satan has been defeated. But we must trust in God and his provision for that defeat. Now, notice in verse 22 that Jesus was brought a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute and notice how matter-of-factly the scripture says, He healed him so that he could both talk and see. Amen? Jesus touched him and he was well. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub that the prince of the demons, that this fellow drives out demons. <clears throat> what a strange and perverted way of looking at the ministry of Christ as they thought that Christ was performing this miracle by the power of Satan. Verse 25, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. 
If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Belzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Verse 29. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions Unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can rob his house. Jesus is explaining this principle of the kingdom. It was Chuck Colson who wrote a book a number of years ago called The Conflict of the Kingdoms, which really drew attention to the fact that we are living in a universe that's in conflict. That as surely as there a God, there is a God, there is one true God, and He is righteous, and He is advancing forth in His work of salvation. There is the adversary of God, who is Satan, who has His authority, who has His fallen angels working in this universe to dishonor God, to rebel against God, to turn us against God, And here we are in this world, we find ourselves in this conflict. How many of you know that there are problems and issues in this world that go beyond human design in terms of how they came about? And sometimes it's just overwhelming as we see uh, how darkness comes in and how the adversary is killing and destroying and stealing. You know... Uh, I think it's important for us to realize that uh, this, is a, this is a major thing that's happening on planet Earth. Uh, last year when Ginger and I were in uh, Sweden, I got interested uh, in Sweden and their history and their politics, and I found out a couple of interesting things, that Sweden uh, is a leading country in terms of the percentage of women who have abortions. And they have one of the most liberal abortion laws of all nations, pretty much based up based on the the request of the mother, who feels that for some reason, even a social reason, and that's right in the law, she can request an abortion. They thought that uh, with the advance of the morning after pill, that the abortion uh, rate would decrease, but it has only increased as the abort as the after uh, after morning pill has increased in usage. Now, there's another factor that I noticed there that really puts things in perspective. That Sweden also is one of the strongest nations in animal protection, animal rights. In fact. There is a department in the government on animal rights, and they have a statement that they exist, now get this, so that that all animals will feel good, will be healthy, and will be safe. And it's interesting that in Sweden, it's it's against the law to, uh, to, to, uh, take a dog, and as they do so often for cosmetic purposes, they'll trim the tail, and trim the ears, which is considered a terrible crime in Sweden. So all the dogs in Sweden have their tails and have their ears. Yet they have the greatest, one of the greatest abortion rates of any nation 
in the world. It causes us to consider that when darkness comes into a nation, takes over a people, that all judgment is lost. How many of you are concerned about the darkness in the nation? We look at the United States and uh, the the, uh, Guttmacher Institute, which is a division of Planned Parenthood, is reporting the number of abortions since 1972 when Roe v. Wade was approved. Do you have any idea what that number is? This number is not well publicized, but 56,712,448 abortions. Now, I checked that number this morning. That's the current count. And I started to round it off, then I realized we can't round that off. <laughs> Every one of those children that was aborted is included in that number. Now, to give you some perspective, 56 million is more people in the whole state of California. The whole state of California. And those are innocent lives that were uh, taken. And I believe part of a satanic conspiracy against God and against life. Now, is that depressing? Absolutely. Should we be concerned? Absolutely. And we as, as Christians have a way of kind of just drifting along as if, if it doesn't affect us, well, then there's really no reason for us to uh, worry about it. Well, I want you to notice in this passage, as Jesus is teaching about the strong man in his house and how he must be bound in order for his possessions to be taken, He's really talking about his authority over Satan. He describes this divided kingdom and how the Pharisees misunderstood Christ's ministry. And, you know, there's two theories about this. One is that the Pharisees really were, just really had no idea what was happening here in terms of kingdom principles and, and misunderstood. There's another theory that they were trying to accuse Christ of this even though they knew better. They knew that he was performing these miracles by the power of God, but they did not want the people to follow him. And so they lied, and they made this accusation about him before the people. But as Jesus explained that the kingdom, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, and he said that... Every city, every household divided against itself will not stand. And he was explaining that if you see the work of Jesus Christ in the world in terms of his, his forceful uh, removal of Satan's power, we need to realize that that's about the kingdom of God. It's not about Satan and his devices. How many of you know that there's often spiritual confusion? Do you ever get in that position where you're saying, is this God or is this Satan or is this some other source? That's why it's so important for us to realize that God wants us to have hearts that are really tuned into him and that as we worship him, he has a way of giving us the wisdom to know. You know, the gift of discernment is extremely important. We don't talk enough about the gift of discernment. You know what the spiritual gift of discernment is? It's God's special ability he gives us to know 
the difference between what comes from God, what comes from Satan, and what comes from a human source. And that gift of discernment can instantly detect what's going on, can instantly know how to approach the situation. Every day we need to pray for discernment. Every day we need to realize that we're going to be facing decisions and challenges which require that. I remember something, a daughter, Jennifer, is here visiting with us, and we were talking yesterday about something happened that when she was in the seventh grade and we were living in Tulsa, and we got word from the school authorities that uh, there was a boy in the school who was making a list of other students that he intended to kill. Now, this is right after the Columbine situation, so they took it very seriously. So we became concerned, and the other parents, and we began talking about this, and what are we going to do to protect our children? How many of you know it's easy to panic when you know that your child may be in danger? Well, we knew that Jennifer was, going to, was, was coming home soon, and we were getting ready to talk to her about it, and you know it was going to be a very serious conversation. We started up, and she said, oh, that's over with. And we said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, I went to him, and I told him that I hadn't done anything to him, and I asked him to take me off his list, and he did. So <laughs> Jennifer managed the situation. She did the right thing. And here her parents were reacting in fear, as you know we would expect. And the other parents concerned about this child. You know, how many of you know that sometimes the, the simple solution, the direct solution... Just doing what you know is right. If you take that action, it has a way of solving the situation or making it much better. Let me tell you, as Christians, you know, our innocence, our faith, our honesty is a tremendous resource. And let's realize that you know, we just need to live the way God wants us to, and God, will ha God has a way of protecting us and enabling us to, uh, to, to really overcome the evil that may be in this world. Now, Jesus goes on to teach here in verse 30 about blasphemy. And he explains that what they were saying and what they were doing was really blasphemy of God. Blaspheming the Son of God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit as they were saying that His authority to cast out demons came from Satan. Such a very serious offense. Gives us an understanding of what blasphemy really is. You know, uh, most Christians, when they hear about the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, get concerned that, oh no, what if I commit that sin? And let me give you a little uh, secret here. If you're concerned that you have committed the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you haven't. Because... Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a hardness of heart which directly rebels against God, knowingly calling holy things evil. And that's exactly what these Pharisees did. And so if you're concerned, convicted in your heart about your sin, you know that your heart is soft enough, tender enough, that God wants you to... Now, you've got to be careful not to, to continue with that false guilt and let that linger and, and motivate you to do things that really God, God's not concerned about. But to, you, you confess your sin, you know that you're cleansed, and you are immediately released. We can walk in this life with confidence and freedom that we have a clean heart and that we're right before God. 
And then he speaks in verse 33 about the tree which produces good fruit. And he compares it to the heart that overflows goodness and how out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if the heart is clean, then the fruit of the life will be clean. I heard uh, a, a great testimony from Bob Mumford, who was a, a mean, cussing sailor who went on furlough to, uh, to party with his soldier buddies. And on the way to the club that he intended to go to, he passed a storefront church. And he knew he had been resisting God for many years. And there was something about that storefront church that got his attention. So he stood and he listened and he ended up going inside. And he heard the gospel preached. And he went forward and he prayed the prayer. And he wasn't even sure that it was going to make any difference. But he realized he had a spiritual need. And he said he just felt kind of peaceful. But he didn't know that Jesus had really come into his heart until the next day when he was back on the ship and he was pounding a nail, and he hit his hand boom, really hard. And he said he's, all the men around him were listening because he was the biggest cusser on the whole ship. And he said nothing came out. And he just paused for a moment, and he said, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and the men were so shocked and so amazed because all they'd heard from him was cussing and swearing and you know, the kind of language that had nothing to do with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he said, that's the moment I knew that my heart had been changed. And God began to strengthen me and help me to live and to grow as a Christian. How many of you know that God can change your life instantly? That he can transform you. That he wants to do that. He's able to do that. And... uh we see people changed miraculously, transformed. I mean, it just, as God begins to take care of, take hold of a heart and make that change, we see a whole new person. Well, I want us to consider four things as we look at this principle of the conflict in kingdoms and how we consider the abundant life and then the adversary of God and how God wants us to live in such a way <clears throat> that we can truly overcome the enemy. The first thing I want us to see is we really need to realize the importance of worship. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, we see in the very beginning of human history, Abel preparing this offering which was acceptable to God. And we realize that for every child of God, every day, the, 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 the worship that comes from a heart that's tender towards God is so very important to that relationship. And so we worship God daily as He gives us grace. We honor Him in our giving. We come together and assemble. We worship Him through singing. We worship Him through fellowship. We honor Him. And as we give God His rightful place in our lives, He has a way of putting and keeping our life in order. Have you noticed? I'll never forget a little track that uh, Bill Bright produced on Four Spiritual Laws. Do you remember that little track? 
And uh, in, the, in the, the last page of that track, there were two circles. And there was a circle where everything in the life was out of order. And then the next circle was a little cross in the middle, Christ on the throne of the life, and everything was in order. And as the lesson there is so, as we really put Christ first in our hearts and in our lives, He has a way of putting everything else in order. And so we need to be worshipers. We need to worship every day. We need to worship personally. We need to worship as families. We need to worship as a church. We need to realize that as we worship, God has a way of giving us light and strength to stand in His security. Number two, we need to be strong in the Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for instruction and correction and and reproof. We realize that it's God's Word that's going to correct us and help us to know what is right and what is wrong. Do you ever notice that when you're reading God's Word, the words that we understand immediately give us light, but just the experience of reading the Word, it's like God's wisdom begins to, to touch our hearts where it's not even exactly what we're reading. We just know what God's will is. We just know what He wants us to do. Just the experience of living our lives with an open Bible ready to apply whatever God shows us gives us the kind of insight and wisdom that's so very, very important. And so we have the worship, we have the Word. And don't forget, it was Je- Jesus fought Satan directly in the wilderness by quoting the Word of God. As Jesus quoted what God said in the Scripture, He took authority over Satan. And we as Christians need to be fully saturated with the Word so that we're prepared to take that stand. The third thing I want us to see is the wisdom which comes from God. James talks about two kinds of wisdom. The worldly wisdom that comes from this world, which is self-centered, which is prideful, which is evil. And then there is that wisdom which comes from God, which is good and pure and righteous. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 says, Get wisdom at any cost. Wisdom. I uh, remember well uh, Wayne Ehlert, who taught here at uh, Faith Chapel, right back there in that Sunday school room. And I was in his class. And uh, how he would, every day he would say, or every, just about every Sunday he would say, Remember every day to pray for wisdom. And he said, remember every day to pray for your life partner. We had a celebration at uh, Hope uh, School this last week, and uh, a banquet, and we were remembering about many of the things that had happened over the years. And I was reminded about uh, Wayne's passion for wisdom and how he wanted to teach the book of Proverbs all the time. I think we probably studied Proverbs through three times when I was in his youth group. But how important it is and how we uh, get wisdom. And I would encourage every young person, pray every day for wisdom. 
Pray every day for your life partner. God will bless you and give you a a full and abundant life. And the fourth thing I want us to see here, so we read in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus promised that whoever believes in me, he said, will do even greater works than I have done. And so here we see the works of God that God wants us to do in this world and how that has tremendous impact for his kingdom. And so the worship and the word and the wisdom of God manifests itself in the works in terms of what we produce. And isn't it puzzling how so many people who should be so smart and be doing the right things really really are behaving in ways that show us that it, you know, we need something more than just being smart and having that. You think about, you know, the the policeman who takes a bribe. You think about the the teacher who uh, begins to take uh, interest in, stu- you know, uh, the the high school teacher that dates his students. I mean, how strange that is. You think smart people should be smarter than that. Uh, Ginger and I uh, met a lady in Malaysia, and she just was a delightful person. She says, I always tell my kids, be careful, because God doesn't bless stupid. (laughs) We need to be more than smart. We need to be wise. And it needs to show up in us in the greater works that we're able to do as we're obedient to God, and we do what God shows us to do. And so... How do we take a stand against this evil? How do we overcome this adversary that seeks to steal and to kill and destroy? Well, we need need to be strong in worship, strong in the word, strong in wisdom, strong in the works. And as we recognize that God wants us to live a life that is not, not understood, not appreciated, by the people of this world, we realize that the abundant life is truly reserved for those who really want to live for Him. Okay, can I ask you the obvious question? How many of you want to live an abundant life? How many of you want to overcome the works of the evil one in your life, <laughs> in your family, in where, wherever you have influence? Well, let's offer ourselves anew to God. Let's rededicate ourselves Let's realize that God really wants us to live this abundant life as he gives us strength to do so. Father, we thank you for this day, O God, where we're reminded of your goodness. Help us, O Lord. Help us by your word, by your spirit, O God, to live faithfully for you. And Lord, we're concerned about the darkness that overtakes this world, O God, and the darkness that... Lord, creeps in to our lives. And Lord, if we're not diligent, if we're not careful, that we will find ourselves uh, soon influenced and then overwhelmed. Help us, O oh God, to be discerning. and Help us to stand strong. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and our worship team will lead us in a song and then uh, we'll have a final prayer together. Let's sing together. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.
and all these other things will be added to us. Let him examine our hearts. And Lord, as we look to you, Lord, we desire to to see what you want us to see, O God. To hear what you want us to hear. To do what you want us to do. Lord, we ask you to help us to agree with you on every area of our lives, Lord. To confess our sins to you. To seek your forgiveness. To ask your guidance regarding decisions about the future. Lord, we ask you to strengthen us even as we leave this place this morning. Help us, O God, to realize that we're children of light. Help us to realize, O God, that in this conflict of kingdoms, O God, that we we really are safe in you and that we have your kingdom purpose in our hearts, O God. So, Lord, we just dedicate ourselves to you afresh. Help us, O God. Lord, we pray for anyone here this morning that's not sure of their relationship with you. We pray, O God, that you'd give them the courage and the boldness just to stay after and come forward and talk with us and pray with us about how they can be sure that they are saved, O God. We ask you, O God, just to help each of us to know where we stand before you, O God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we ask for your blessing as you dismiss us this morning. Help us, O God, to know that we truly can make a difference as we live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar is open. We encourage you to come forward and ask for prayer or just spend some time in prayer with the Lord, whatever your need may be. God bless you. Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone, but Be given unto you.